no gimmicks, no manipulation. Just sharing easily and naturally the joy and faith that we found in Christ Jesus. Those are the words that Daryl Robinson used to open up his book, People Sharing Jesus. I had Daryl come to our church in Texas and lead that study for our people. He opens the book with a story about a man who felt like a failure. He said everything this man attempted seemed to turn out wrong. Man began to fantasize about being rich and decided he'd do the one thing he could do to make the most money in the shortest period of time. He'd become a bank robber. So the would-be bank robber began to plan his strategy. He would set up late at night, working out the plans, going over sketches of the banks, going over every step in detail. He just never could get around to actually robbing the bank. But he kept making plans. So one night he decided, okay, tomorrow is the day. I am going to rob the bank. So he got up, got in his car, and went to the bank the next day. Trouble is, he couldn't quite get out of the car. So he sat in his car from 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. and finally decided, okay, this is it. He got out, walked in the bank, walked up to the teller, handed her his gun, stuck a brown paper bag in her face and said, don't stick with me, this is a mess up. <laughs> and sure enough, he got caught. Daryl said uh, in his, at the end of the story, he said, the prospect of witnessing produces a similar effect in many Christians. Daryl wrote, fear and self-consciousness create this imaginary barrier that all but paralyzes us. And, and most of us have to admit, we're a little timid, we're a little intimidated, we're a little fearful when it comes to just sharing our faith. Well, today I want to use Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 32, to give you some handles. One of the things I enjoy doing in, in counseling is giving people some handles to solve their problems. So today I want to give you some handles. Now, as you're turning to Acts chapter 17, as we look verses 22 through 32, let me, let me set the stage for you. Let me paraphrase what preceded these verses in verses 16 through 21. Paul has arrived. He's entered into Athens. He looks around and he is greatly distressed because he has found the city of Athens full of idols. But instead of just throwing up his hands and giving up, he decides to use the idols as a handle, as a bridge for sharing the gospel. I want to show you in verses 16 through 21 some of the people Paul encountered, because they may sound a little familiar to us. Now, the first name you wouldn't recognize as being people in our city, the Epicureans. But you know some of them as atheists, agnostics. These people, the Epicureans, denied the existence of God. They certainly did not believe in what we just celebrated last Sunday of the resurrection. They didn't believe in life after death. So you could see why their motto would be, eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, if this is all there is, let's just get it all in while we can. And so that was their philosophy in life. The, the opposite group were the Stoics. 
we might call them today the pantheists. These people believed in gods. In fact, they believed everything was a god. The rocks, the trees, uh, the inanimate objects, all these things. But they rejected the idea of there being a real, personal, separate god. So you can imagine what their motto in life would be. Grin and bear it. They had a life of ultimate resignation. Now, these were the two groups. This is a setting of what Paul is about to get into in sharing his faith naturally and easily. These two groups brought Paul before the, what we would call the, the uh, Supreme Court. He brought, they brought him before the Supreme Court of Athens at the Areopagus. And they said these unbelievable words. Listen to what they said in verses 19b and 20b. May we know what this new teaching is you're proclaiming. We want to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, folks, they've just given him a divine opportunity. Tell us what you believe. And that's what we want people to do. So this morning, I want to give you some handles. I've called them Beatitudes. Four Beatitudes for sharing your faith. Look with me in Acts chapter 17. I want you to hear the full message of Paul, then I'll break it down for you. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 22. And Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens... I observe that you're very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with its inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God. If perhaps they may grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. Being then the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like some of the inanimate objects he was describing, like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men and all everywhere that all men everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Through a man, through Christ Jesus, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. And then he concluded, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, something they struggled greatly with, 
Some began to sneer, but others said, We will hear you again concerning this matter. Now, using those verses, let me share with you four simple Beatitudes, handles to help you share the gospel in the same way that the Apostle Paul did. The first is one that is commonly overlooked in witnessing, and the first beatitude is be courteous. Paul wrote in Acts chapter verse 20, 17, verse 22, Men of Athens, I see in every way your religious. Now listen to me a minute. He was given the opportunity to share his faith. They asked him why he believed and what he believed, and he was ready to share that with them. Usually in my witnessing, I will ask permission as I go through so that people will be more engaged in what I'm trying to do. Now, he started where they were. Men of Athens, I see you're very religious. This is an approach that's commonly used in educational circles today in teaching. He, He started where they were because Paul understood first words are so important. He, he knew he could lose this opportunity if he put them on the defense. So he began where they were. And something we need to remember in our witnessing, we cannot insult a person into the kingdom of God. When we're sharing our faith, there is no reason to be rude There's no reason to show a lack of respect for people in what they believe. We simply want to present what we believe. Paul understood something that seems to surprise many Christians today when we're witnessing. Unbelievers act like unbelievers. They're not saved. They don't have the divine nature in them creating a desire to live in a righteous way. So they're living naturally. So don't be surprised about it. Don't be defensive about it. Just share your faith. And what they need to see in us is not people who are judgmental or condemning. Does that surprise you a little bit? Don't be judgmental or condemning. Well, we're following the example of Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 17, he said, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge or condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. You see, folks, Christianity is a message of hope. It is a message of hope. We know there is life after death, but we know there is an empowerment to help us even in this life today. Do, do people enjoy being around you? Do they see you as an optimistic, positive person? That's the thing that attracts people. They want to know, what makes you tick? I mean, just this past weekend, Joyce and I had to drive to North Georgia, about an 800-mile trip, to help my younger brother as his 38-year-old wife dropped dead suddenly. And we had a message of hope. Yes, we were grieving. They were grieving. The Bible even says we should grieve, but we should grieve as those who have hope. Because we know, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, there is life after death. So we have a reason to be optimistic and positive in life. So be courteous. The second thing we need to do is seen in verse 23. It's be contemporary. Paul wrote, For as I walked around and observed your objects of worship, I found even an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now, 
Paul had taken the time, obviously, to get to know these people. He wanted to know and establish some relationships in sharing his faith. Paul was alert. He was looking for bridges. He was looking for connectors. And in this situation, he took the Stoics' idol to an unknown God. As Paul Harvey would say, but now for the rest of the story. Here's the story behind the unknown God idol. Several centuries before that time, a plague had hit that area. A man from Cyprus had come there and said that what you need to do is get us a, a flock of black and white sheep and to get take them to the Areopagus and let them go there. Wherever the sheep stop, you're instructed to kill it and offer it on the nearest altar. Here's the rest of the story. If there was not an altar, the people were instructed to build an altar at that place, slay the sheep, and offer it to an unknown god. Now, obviously, the plague was lifted ultimately, but the people kept even those altars to these unknown gods. So Paul used this bridge to help them. Now, Paul did not compromise his message. There's no reason for us to compromise our message, but we should show a knowledge and understanding of people and where they are. And that's exactly what Paul was doing. That's what I mean by being contemporary. We, we, for example, when Joyce and I would go to the Ukraine to go on mission, when I went to Portugal to preach, when it's Spain and different countries, I wanted to take the time to establish some relationships with people so that I could get to know them, where they were coming from, and address their point of need right where they were. So I showed a contemporary understanding. I never compromised. I never changed the gospel message. But I had an understanding of what they were going through, and I was able to use that as a bridge to witness to those people. And that's what we all should do. So we need to be courteous. We need to be contemporary. We also need to be courageous. This is seen in verses 24 and 25. Paul wrote, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself is the one who gives life and breath to all things. Now, who is he addressing here? The Stoics, the ones who had these idols to the unknown gods, who believed rocks and trees and things like this, these were gods. And Paul is using that to share only God, only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who was resurrected can meet your ultimate need. You see, we live in a time when there is a plague around the world today. We don't think of it that way, but it's the plague of sin. And many people take false cures around the world, telling people, well, if you'll just be good enough, if you do just a good work, if you go and be baptized, if you'll act according to the Ten Commandments, if you will love people, these are answers people frequently give me when I'll say to them, if you were to die today and stand before God in heaven, and he said, why should I let you in heaven? They would give all of these answers. Now, while we want to be courteous, 
We never want to compromise our message. We do believe there is only one way that a person can know for certain they will spend eternity with God in heaven. There are not many ways, as many people would try to tell you today. It is only through repenting of sin and putting our faith in the finished work of Christ and what he did on the cross and the result of his resurrection. Now, Paul was very courageous. He looked at them. Listen to what he said in verse 30. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. You know, that's a key missing element in evangelism today. We don't address the need of people to repent. But if they don't recognize their sin, if they don't recognize their condition, if they don't recognize their lostness, they won't seek a solution. If you didn't know you had some ailment, physical ailment, you wouldn't go to your doctor and seek help. But once you know you have some particular problem, you go to your doctor. And he or she will make some prescription and give you some therapy for healing you. And we know the answer to the plague of sin. It is a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. And it is only through that personal relationship that a person can have the gift of eternal life. There is no other basis of knowing you'll spend eternity with God. Well, let me end up by telling you about the fourth beatitude. It's seen in verse 31. We want to be courteous. We certainly want to be contemporary. We want to be courageous. But perhaps the most important element of sharing our faith is in the fourth beatitude. Be Christ-centered. Do not glorify yourself. Do not talk so much about yourself. Point to Jesus. Paul said in verse 31, Because God has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness, righteousness through a man. That's a capital M. Christ, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, Paul made an assumption that we need to learn to make in our lives. Paul assumed, since they asked what was his belief, they had a desire to know what he believed. They had a desire, though they may not have recognized it, they had a desire to seek to know God. I always liked Dr. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade. Dr. Bright uh, came to our city one time in Bartlesville, and here's something he, he always said. I quote him, instead of assuming that people do not want to hear the gospel, instead of assuming people are not interested, he said, try instead to assume that they will be interested in the good news. Your friend may have just gone through circumstances that have prepared his heart to receive Christ Jesus. Be aware of people's circumstances and their situations and their conditions. Be sensitive to people when they're walking through times of crisis that you would be able to share with them Jesus Christ. Joyce and I did not know many of my brother's wife's family. We had not met many of them. So we had to 
mix around with people we didn't know. So we had to be friendly to them, be courteous to them, be sensitive to them, meet them where they were. They were in the valley time. They were in a time of grief. And so they needed to hear a message of hope and of encouragement. And so that's what we attempted to share as we moved throughout the family, talking with various ones of them, sharing about our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Paul did this. He, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, 23, We preach Christ crucified. The bottom line is that we, in our gospel presentation, and you might want to take a step backwards sometimes, Look at your testimony. Write it out. And look there and say, have I presented Jesus? And if you haven't, take a step back and rewrite your testimony so that you get the focus on to Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, It is destined that each person die only once, and after that comes judgment. Tracy... My brother-in-law's wife, in good health, things going well. Don and Tra- John and Tracy about to move up to Chattanooga to take a new job, move into a new place. She's only 38 years of age. She has just a little backache. And she drops over dead. Aortic, an aortic aneurysm exploded. And that was it. We don't know when our time will come. We do know this. It is appointed unto us, each one of us, unless we're living when the, when the Lord Jesus comes to rapture up the church, we know that all of us are going to die. Because the Bible says it is appointed unto us once to die. The judgment day is coming. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.28, and this is the good news about presenting Christ. Listen, Hebrews 9.28, the writer of Hebrews said, So also Christ died only once as a sacrifice to take the sins of the many. Anytime you share your faith, put it on the person of Jesus Christ. Dare to tell people, yes, he came and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And yes, he went to the cross, and they nailed him to the cross, and he took upon us all of our sins. They took him down, they buried him, and three days later, as they just sang in the song, three days later, he was resurrected. And he showed himself in many proofs to many people, as Pastor shared last Sunday, to over five hundred people at one time the gospel was shared through seeing a resurrected Jesus Christ I'm glad the disciples struggled with believing in the reality of the resurrection I really am because it just validates it all the more they wanted to check it out see they didn't want to have a false hope is he really who he said he was did he do what he said he would do They saw him, they touched him, they experienced him, and you see in them a completely changed group of apostles after they experienced the resurrection. So don't be discouraged. Have hope in Jesus. Don't be discouraged. I I wish I had the gift of the evangelist. I don't. 
When I walk through airports, people don't get slain in the spirit and get saved like I hear many people talking about. I mean, every once in a while I'm privileged to see someone. But you know that puts us in good company. The Apostle Paul wrote in verse 32, when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. People are going to reject you. There are people who will not. That's just a bunch of bunk. They will not believe that. They will not accept that. We can't force the gospel on them. Only the Holy Spirit can give them the inner witness that what we are saying is true. We don't have to convince someone. I don't have to argue with someone and try to convince them the Word of God is the Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. I am to use the sword of the Spirit. I'm not to defend it. I'm just to use it. The Holy Spirit will give life to it and help people to understand what we're saying is true. Now, when some heard, they rejected. But listen to the last part of verse 32. But others said... We shall hear you again concerning this. That's one reason you need to be courteous. You don't want to offend people and ruin your opportunity to come back to them and share the gospel. After all, it is the Spirit's work to bring salvation. Our responsibility? To be witnesses. To be good news ambassadors. To simply tell what we've experienced, what we understand from God's Word. That's what I've done today. I've tried to share with you in sharing how to witness. I've tried to share with you the gospel. Some of you today and some by watching by television may have never found personal peace in Jesus Christ. You've been trusting in your baptism, in your church membership, in your good works. And that will not be enough. And you realize today, I need to repent of sin and put my hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that people will be moved by your Spirit if they've never trusted the Lord Jesus. They would do that today. I pray for others that are maybe looking for a church home. They would decide this would be the place they would like to join. I pray you'll touch them. Others who may just need a word of encouragement, a word of prayer, to come here to the altar of prayer and pray. Thank you now and move amongst our midst. And we love you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation. You'd be the first to step out. Our staff members will be down here to greet you.